weeknights from 6 on 2FM. Thanks to the two Johnnies, it's Wednesday the 9th of November and this is Game On. Coming up today, Tyke Furlong on being named Ireland captain against Fiji this weekend. It's just such an opportunity for a group to really drive on. You know, what are we at? You know, what are we at or who are we fooling if we're, if we're going out there not to try to get better this week? And It's another opportunity for us and I think the lads are raring to go. We'll also talk to Tomas O'Leary about Munster's special match against South Africa in Port Degree tomorrow. Plus, in cricket, Irish head coach Heinrich Milan on building on our T20 World Cup programme. There it is, the victory in fine style. Irish eyes are smiling and they'll be smiling as this tournament goes on because they go from round one to the Super 12s. The top football news with Paul Curry in studio and Dylan Dock legend Gary Rogers standing by. If you want to get in touch, you can text us on 51552 or tweet at Game On 2FM. Welcome along. Paul Curry is with me in studio. Paul, just before we came on air, it was announced that Ollie Horgan's nine year stint as Finn Harps manager is over. It is the end of an era. Nine years. Wow. That is a very long stint. But yeah, it's, it's it's a bit disappointing, isn't it? Because he's mm-hmm. been such a colourful character around the league. And, you know, when you think back on League of Ireland managers and, and the characters that we've had, going back to, say, like, Roddy Collins, who I know who was in here recently, <laughs> and, and Ollie Horgan certainly fits that kind of criteria as well, Marie. It, it's a pity, I think, that they that he has left with them having been relegated yeah. because for so long he's got the absolute maximum out of that club out of Rabbit out of the hat you might say <laughs> Absolutely even the pictures that you would have seen of him around the ground and looking at opposition and uh, a very colourful character but one who if you speak to anybody who has played for him they only have fond words to yeah. say about him and, and that is probably the the litmus test when it comes to Ollie Horgan and what any manager is is kind of what players who have played with him say about him and he seems like a really really good person and uh, I wonder will it be the end of Ollie in the League of Ireland yeah I doubt it somehow I, like I just given his background and his passion and his commitment and dedication I think he's a PE teacher as he well he is a teacher because he was one he was part of the <laughs> of the coaching staff when I was with the Irish schools team oh right well he'll and be somewhere anyway yeah he absolutely will be and, and they're the type of people that you want around and listen I'm sure he's got a, a fountain of knowledge when it comes to football and he's a lot to offer within that region so fingers crossed he stays involved up up in uh, Bally Buffet yeah it's hard to get back up to the top division though isn't it it is, particularly when you see the likes of um, Cork and Waterford mm-hmm. who've gone up this year and the full-time setups that they would have. You would you would even imagine for Finn Harps, it's very hard to compete with those two teams. And, you know, Galway would kind of fit that mould as well. The playoffs don't make it easy for any any team who's competing to, to get promoted from that first division. So it's difficult. Um, like I said, he's got so much out of, of maybe the same sort of pool of players for such a long time that maybe it was just one time too many and they probably need a bit of a revamp uh, mm-hmm. I think we were in here recently like the stadium needs to be built there's big plans there and uh, that area and and Finn Park desperately needs it like it hasn't changed since I went up there with UCD back in 2012 and the facilities were really poor then um, so it certainly needs a lick of paint and it, and it needs um, rejuvenating and Ollie Horgan has kept that going for a long period of time and maybe papered over some of the cracks mm-hmm. just with his, with his character Um but yeah, it, it's it's going to be hard. It'll be hard for Finn Harps, but they've done it before. Well, that is true as well. Um, okay, let's move on to rugby now. As you might have heard in the intro there, Tyg Furlong will captain Ireland against Fiji. A momentous occasion for him and his family, no doubt. And he spoke to Michael Corcoran about the honour today. Game on. Rugby. With the Ireland captain, Tyg Furlong. It's, uh, it's an incredible sentence. Um, congratulations. 
you must be delighted. Yeah, yeah. Um, I suppose Faz said to me Monday with a captain the, the team for the weekend, and um, I obviously came off the weekend injured as well. So you only suppose got the all clear to go out and play. Um, I trained today, came through uh, good, which is great. So all guns blazing now. You were hardly going to think twice about this when he came to ask you. Yeah, I didn't know, to be honest with you. I didn't know what to say back to him. Um, I suppose one thing during the week, but another thing on game day, and I suppose I have very little experience in international rugby or in club rugby. I've never captained a team professionally before. So um, he made it quite simple for me. And um, So, yeah, I was delighted. I didn't know what to say, really. There are a lot of people within the group, you know, who have captaincy experience so will you try and have a kind of quiet word with them or will you be googling how to be a captain or how to be an effective captain no the boys would be sound you know what I mean everyone's been very supportive and especially Johnny came up and everything are you sure and Anthony are you unsure and Anthony do you want to know how that works and um, I suppose you don't want to get to the game day and lose your normal prep and in terms of you weren't expecting or didn't see it coming so um, no they've been all very open it's been been good very friendly uh, teammates stuff yeah. altogether. Do you think it will affect your own match prep? Because I know that it, you're all part of a team, but everybody is a kind of different way of preparing on a match day. But now all of a sudden you have to kind of think about the toss and look serious and talk to the referee and the opposition captain. And you've got to take on a little bit more. Yeah. No, of course it does change. Of course it does change. There's stuff added into your pre-game prep, etc. So I suppose just knowing what's coming ahead of you and making your plans appropriate, Michael. Um, so you can be still, I suppose, ticking your usual boxes you do for free game, you know. I understand that this is something that's kind of just come into, onto your radar in the last while, but for yourself, for your family, even for your club, I mean, this is just this is a fantastic honour, isn't it? Yeah, I haven't talked to no one yet, to be honest with you. Um, I said I just came through train today. Um, I didn't know if I was playing or not, just got on the street, so I didn't want to tell my parents, I guess, you know, they got up for it and got down yeah. for it. I didn't tell anyone. So, um... I may ring him now, I suppose. It's all out there anyway, so it's no surprise. Have you ever captained a team before? Or what's your captaincy experience? No, very little. I suppose I would have captained underage teams in your Ross, which is all a lot of banging on tables and screaming and shouting from lads. Um, and uh, I would have captained Irish and Leinster under 18. So I suppose mm. since then, Sinead, you know what I mean? So you know the man who's the lead by example. It's, uh, it's, you're the first into battle. Everybody follows you. I suppose, look, just play the game. Just play the game, I suppose, as a prop. Um, you got to go about your business and, and trust the, I suppose, game managers, your line of callers, eights, tens, etc. What, you know, they want the way they want to navigate them, themselves around the pitch. It's not really my call per se. So I just put a lot of trust in them and then go about your business. You know. And just a final word on the on the captaincy. Um, I don't know how you feel when there's a penalty midway between the 22 and the 10 meter line. Sometimes fellas want to kick it. Other times they go for the corner. Have there been times where you go, oh, don't go for the corner, kick it, or what kind of a captain are you going to be? To be honest with you, it's one of those things when you're a player, I don't even bat an eyelid. I just, yeah, that's where we're going, let's, let's go for it, you know what I mean? So I suppose that was the one one of the one things I was conscious of. Mm. Um, but you just got to trust your 10, your 10, your line-out caller, have a conversation, what's the feel like? And then once you make a decision, you're just rolling with it. And you've got to carry on the good work from last week to this week. I mean, it's like a relay, effectively, isn't it? Yeah, yeah. And what an opportunity for us again, you know. Um, back in the salt out of Viva. It's just such an opportunity for a group to really drive on. You know, what are we at? You know, what are we at or who are we fooling if we're, if we're going out there not to try to get better?
this week and it's another opportunity for us and I think the lads are raring to go. Like Furlong there speaking to Michael Corkin a little bit earlier on about being a captain of Ireland against that upcoming game against Fiji. Well now I am delighted to be joined by former Munster rugby star and Pinergy ambassador Tomás O'Leary ahead of tomorrow's historic clash between Munster rugby and South Africa select at Porky Cueve. Pinergy who is also proud sponsors of the Munster Senior Schools Cup is continuing to support the province by powering the difference for this game which will see professional rugby played at the famous GA venue for the very first time. Time. Tomas, you're very, very welcome. Hi, Marie, how are you? Good to chat to you. Thig, very good to be on again. Tyke Furlong as Ireland captain, what do you reckon? Yeah, look, he seems like a, a natural choice. Look, he's supposed to be the mainstay of Leinster and Ireland teams since he broke onto the scene. And look, seems nice and composed there when he was chatting to Michael. Um, nothing seems to phase him. And look, I don't think it's going to, I suppose... Uh, overshadow his role as you know as a player and his his role in the scrum first and foremost, um, you know, and he's obviously become a, a key component as well in the the new era shape where he's able to go to the line, carrier, you know, or play the ball with it to tip on or to the man out the back. So look, I think that's going to be his main concentration. As he says, there seems to be a real connect collective unity and uh, clarity within the group. So, um, but look, he leads by example, you know, physically, and you know, as I said, he has a skill set as well now to to back that up. So, look, I think it's going to be a pro day for him and his family, and he seems like a great choice. From a positional point of view, is he at a disadvantage though? Yeah, look, I, um, potentially, but look, I think naturally the you know the the goal kickers, the halfbacks, will kind of be making those choices. Um, you know, as to whether they they want to shot at goal or whether they want to kick to the corner, and you know, you'll you'll talk to your pack when you're making those decisions, whether it's your your line of caller, um, you know, whether it's uh, your front row if they have the if they have the ascendancy in the scrum, um, or whether you feel like you're gonna you're gonna be able to execute in the line out and get get a good mall going to to roll over. So, um, it's very much a collective. I know you will see, um, you know, the, the traditional caption captains, you know, like Sexton, Peter mm-hmm. O'Mahony, whoever it might be pointing at the sticks or telling telling the lads to go to the corner but um you know they'll they'll probably very much have a have an input into it but look I think the Tig is uh is experienced enough at this stage and look hopefully um you would you would hope that anyway that it's not going to come down to one decision this weekend that this Irish team should be too strong for Fiji so you would I would anticipate that this Irish team will be backing themselves and going to the corner um a hell of a lot and trying to get as many set piece plays and set piece tries as possible. So tomorrow night, Porky Cueve, the home of Cork GA, is hosting Munster Rugby, playing a South Africa selector. All your worlds colliding for the night. Yeah, look, I can't <laughs> wait. So I suppose no different to yourself. You know, you grow up. Um, I suppose obviously obsessed with multiple sports, but look, GA was the yeah. I suppose the heartbeat of my my family household. And look, I grew up, and all I wanted to do was emulate my father and 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 wear the blood and bandage of Cork and. You know, thankfully, I got to represent Cork and you know got to train in 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 Porky Cueve multiple times and got to play with my club Aaron's on there uh, in multiple underage county finals and a senior county final. So um, look, I have unbelievable memories, not just of not just Cork memories. You know, I remember going to down to Porky Cueve to watch the Grey Clare team take on Tip in their in their in their pomp and you know watching Munster Munster hurling semi finals and finals there. So look, it's a, it's a historic stadium. And I think it's great for the people of Cork, and you know, as you said, two, two sporting worlds colliding, and I think it's just just a great kind of uh, reflection of you know Cork and its its sporting sporting prowess. And look, I think it's brilliant for the Cork people that 
we can go out and we can support our province mm. in, in, our, uh, in our local stadium. Have the Cork Munster fans been a little bit neglected over the last few years? Yeah, look, um, look. I suppose Tommen Park is, and uh, it's always going to be the home of Munster rugby. But look, you have to acknowledge that you know it's the centre of population uh, for Munster Cork is that, and hopefully it will continue to drive uh, the majority of Munster players over the years. Look, it makes sense, and it's just a, I suppose, the statistical um, fact that you know your centre of population should provide you with the most players, and you're starting to see that even down towards West Cork too. Um, so look. I think the more big games you can get in Cork, like traditionally in the in the in the in the in the league in the URC or whatever it's called now, the Celtic League or Magnus <laughs> League, there's so many variations. Um, you do get the, I suppose, the less glamorous fixtures, um, and you still see a great turnout, and you still see, um, you know, the the people of Cork um, getting down to their local local stadium in Musgrave Park supporting, and it's great for the kids to to see that and have access to that. But look, I think it's going to be. Um, a unique occasion obviously tomorrow night but it's going to be especially um, you know poignant that they can go down to uh, you know a traditionally a, a hurling ground a hurling stronghold a football stronghold and, and see see their heroes playing against an international team and hopefully that will inspire you know potential stars of the future to stick with the game or to even take up the game um, and as you said reward the Munster fans who have had to travel a hell of a lot to, to Limerick and obviously travel abroad as well so look I just think it's uh, look I think it's a it's a kind of a nod to the importance of Cork for Munster rugby and look hopefully you know tomorrow's fixture will go really well and we can might we might see the likes of Leinster coming to, to Cork to Parky Cueve and the likes of Toulouse and all these superpowers of Europe potentially playing quarterfinals semi-finals of Europe um, so hopefully this is the first of many big fixtures You're selling it well there now like how, how big would you like to go here? <laughs> uh, look I'd love to you know I, I think look if you do win a you know I suppose get through to European Cup stages look um, and you know you, I think Tommen Park will always be utilised for your home quarter final, but you know, the, you know, I think if you have have a big team coming to town, and you know, you have the potential to to, to you know to get an extra twelve, thirteen thousand into mm-hmm. a stadium, I think it would be a shame not to. Um, and look, especially the Leinster fixture uh, in the league, you know, at Christmas time, or um, you know, if you could if you could pack that out with two two um, two strong Munster and Leinster teams. Um, I think you'd get you'd you'd, you'd fill you'd fill um, Parky Cueve and you'd make it a real festive festive occasion. And look, I think you know in terms of commercially, it makes sense. And look, obviously the GA are also going to make money in it, and we all know the Cork GA is in need of yeah. in need of money to repay loans. So I think it's going to benefit both parties. And look again, I think you know. I think it's great for kids to play multiple sports. And I think rugby and and GAA and rugby and soccer and all the other main sports, I think they can kind of work with each other. And I think it's not till lads get to 17 and 18 years of age that they should be making a choice. And you hear a lot of kids having to be forced to make a choice at 12, 13. And I think that's wrong. So hopefully this illustrates that, you know, the two the two organisations can, can work together and I suppose then make the best of uh, the talent that's available in the province and in the county. Well, it's split season now, it all dovetails very nicely, doesn't it? <laughs> yeah, well, there's controversies there and we probably won't go into that. But We've had, look, had a conversation um, for today. <laughs> yeah, exactly. But look, um, look, I suppose the GAA, to be fair, you know, going back to, I suppose, originally granting access to rugby and soccer in Crow Park, you know, kind of led the way. And, you know, I suppose um, it's it's really outdated now that 
that viewpoint that um, you know rugby and, and soccer are foreign games and should have no part in in, in RGA grounds you know you know rugby soccer everything is so important to local communities and I think GA still is the heartbeat of Ireland and it's unique to Ireland and you know every community has its own GA pitch and it's only its own GA community but I think you know by by kind of having these events and you know by uh, illustrating the the leadership that the GA is showing here um, I think that that illustrates how far this organization has come uh, and I also think, look, they can obviously make money as well, which is more important for the GA as well. Yeah. And and just on, let's have a, a chat about the this Munster team and where they're at. And look, it is a, against a South Africa select. It's, you know, it's it's not a league game or anything, but it's a hugely significant uh, match. And even just from a tradition point of view and um, where it might rank in the future if Munster do take a big scalp, how meaningful could it be for them um, if they were to come out on top? Look, I think it could be hugely significant. Um, I suppose there's a lot of, um, I suppose you could even use apathy at the moment developing. Like there's a, the relationship, I suppose, between Munster fans and Munster players and this Munster team it has always been really, really strong. And I suppose maybe that has been diluted um, in recent years. Uh, this Munster support really want a team to get behind and really want to to see Munster back in their pump. And look, the last few weeks, the start of this year, has been frustrating. Look, it's a new coaching ticket, probably an inexperienced team. Look, if you look at the team, even the the there was an NA team that that nearly beat the All Blacks. You know that famous day where Munster had the hacker. You had you know the likes of Howlett Tapoki, Manning, and and Lafimi Maffey leading that hacker. Um, and but like you also had seasoned internationals like Frankie Sheehan, Mick O'Driscoll, Barry Murphy, Peter Stringer in that side. If you look at the side that's going to play tomorrow night, um, there's still a lot of experience. You know the likes of Zebo, um, you know the <clears throat> Scandal playing in the back line. Obviously, it's going to be interesting to see what Frisch is like, but you can't say that that's as strong as the team that maybe played in 2008. I think that's indicative of where Munster probably are in terms of squad strength, uh, you know, the ability of players. So I think if this team can get a performance and can bring kind of the passion and physicality and, uh, you know, create an occasion that kind of is one for the ages, then I think maybe that that relationship can start to strengthen again and that bond can start to strengthen again between the, the supporters and players and this new management team as well. It can maybe get a bit of momentum off that. Mm, yeah, it does feel like it would help an awful lot. It's such a pity um, Razi Erasmus isn't going to be there though. Yeah, look... Is you know when this fixture was um, you know highlighted initially, um, you know you would have expected that we've been here. But look, it's perfectly understandable that it was, especially after their loss to Ireland, um, that he's required in in France. Look, they could be potentially facing two losses in a row. Um, but I've no doubt that the the South African side that's picked for tomorrow night will be acutely aware of that. So they'll be aware like that you know France and, and South Africa probably French are probably favourites at this stage. So if they have two two losses in a row all of a sudden there's places up for grabs also World Cup places up for grabs so and look there's a there's a spattering of, of seasoned internationals in, in this South African team you only have to look at Johan Goosen and Yantes you know um, you know, there's some fantastic players the Toys all these players and obviously Jason Jenkins from Leinster is getting getting a look in as well so look they have a, they have a very experienced team and a team that will, will not lack motivation um, and I've no doubt that although Erasmus won't be here, he'll have, I suppose, outlined the history of these big international fixtures and outlined the history of Munster and, I suppose, prepared them as much as they can for the 
I suppose, the undoubted passion and uh, physicality that hopefully Munster will bring. So I think his influence will be all over the South African team tomorrow night. And what about from an Ireland point of view? You know, do you think there could be an opportunity for somebody to lay down a marker from Munster? Um, I, yeah, look, I don't think that'll be in the, I suppose, in the minds of these these Munster players. Um, look, the I suppose the nature of these kind of fixtures uh, and the, how unique they're. Um, look, they don't come up uh, very often. Um, like even like even back in 2008 when we were watching that uh, game against New Zealand, even though we were all playing international rugby, we went down to watch the match and uh, I guarantee every one of those lads um, wanted to be on the pitch and were jealous of the lads playing in that game against New Zealand because it was so unique mm-hmm. and a chance to actually represent your local team versus an international team. I never got to do that with Munster. Um, so look, I don't think those boys um, who are playing tomorrow night um, are, are going to be too worried about trying to break into uh, an Irish side or break into an Irish World Cup. But I think they're more going to be more, uh, I suppose, motivated about, like I said, getting Munster's reputation back back to where it should be and performing for the red jersey on Munster and maybe giving uh, the new coaching set, set up a bit of reward for the effort that they've put in because look the, the feedback is very very positive from the camp and I know they want to repay the management with, with a performance um, look it'll be interesting to see how Zebo goes can he regain a bit of form um, from my own point of view I'm interested to see how Paddy Patterson plays against uh, I suppose uh, a really physical confrontational team we'll, have to, we'll see whether his game management skills um, are probably up to up to this level uh, and look uh, I suppose a dog bow um, what kind of physicality he can bring against that South African pack and the likes of Hodnett and Coombs um, if they can kind of continue to to produce the goods as well so those are the kind of players I'm looking forward to seeing but genuinely I do think this is a once-off and this, this Munster team are just going to be concerned with creating history and taking a South African scallop well, Tomas, that all makes perfect sense. Thank you so much for joining us. <laughs> Cheers, Marie. Talk to you again soon. Uh, Tomas is a Penergy ambassador and Penergy are proud sponsors of the Munster Senior Schools Cup and are proud to be powering the difference for tomorrow's big game. Game on on 2FM. Welcome back. We are going to turn our attention to football now. Paul Curry is with me in studio and Gary Rogers joins us on the line. Gary, how are you? Hi, Marie. You well? How are you, Paul? Where in where in the world are you? I'm in Newcastle. <laughs> All right, what do you what do you add over there? Agent I'm, at, stars. I'm going to the <laughs> Carabao Cup game with uh, Crystal Palace in Newcastle, so I'm going to watch that. Oh, very good. Um, so for anyone that doesn't know, uh, since Gary has retired from football, he is now a football agent. So uh, checking on the talent always, Gary. I'd say. Absolutely, you've got to keep your eyes on the talent. That's for, that's for sure. <laughs> and keep your cards close to your chest. <laughs> <laughs> Another good point, Marie. Uh, yeah, um, Gary. Ollie Horgan has finished up with Finn Harps, and even though they got relegated, it feels like such a big loss to the game. Oh, absolutely! Like it, it's hard to believe. Obviously, he's there nine years, and, and what a character he's been. To, you know, you see him at games all over the country. He'd turn up in a pair of shorts, and he has team sheets tucked into his socks or a mobile phone, and you wouldn't know where he'd be signing players from one end of the country to the other. But yeah, like terrific char- character, uh, but also a very knowledgeable football man, and like he's done a terrific job at Finn Harp. I think you can all, you can overlook the job that he's done, and he's kept him up in the Premier Division on numerous occasions and through playoffs and all that. But he just this year was was that step too far. So it's. Uh, 
interesting times at Finn Harps and, and you know what what way they're going to approach it now do they because you know they've, they've had this model where they'd be bringing players from all over the country and nearly all over the world so like is it the case I know that uh, Kevin McHugh has done really good work in the academy there do they start to uh, bring through academy players and, and try and you know have a bit more of a local base uh, or local feel to it so um, it, it's going to be it's going to be a good one now to see what see what happens and what materialises in Finn Harps yeah, it really well. Interesting times ahead. And look, interesting times for the league as well. Uh, Paul, yesterday it was announced that senior players in the League of Ireland are going to be entitled to a minimum wage of €430 Euro per week from next season, which is a significant change really to the way football has been operating in this country for such a long time. It is, and it was it was a lengthy process, Maria. I know one that uh, Gary was very much involved with, with the PFAI, and it's been going on for a number of years, and I guess it gives great confidence and great structure to, to younger players who are actually going to be entering the league as either a part-time professional or a full-time professional to know I guess where they stand when it comes to these contract negotiations of course there's there's people like Gary and good people um, involved with representing younger players for, for those who don't have that representation maybe in years gone by they've been taken advantage of and, and maybe they've been sold short with the with the packages or the contracts that they've been handed and it puts the players in a in a much stronger position. I do I do wonder, you know, from from a club's point of view, you, you know, there'll be certain budgets that they will have. What sort of effect will that have on maybe some of the higher earners? Will they have to come down a rank or or a rung in the ladder with, with regards to how much they're being paid? But I think by and large and as a nutshell Marie it's it's good news for the players and um, you know if we are to start taking the, the league seriously if somebody isn't good enough to earn €430 Euro per week well then you would have to ask the question should they be a full-time professional so I think it gives good clarity I think for too long there's been maybe a bit of a grey area there for players and the negotiations with clubs but uh, you know good news and, and fair play to the to the PFAI and people like Gary and Brendan Clark who have, who have worked tirelessly for this day for, for so so long Gary, there are some concerns around this and uh, critics will say that the there could be an expectation that the clubs might just have smaller squads and sign fewer professionals. Is that a worry? Yeah, look, it, it is a worry, but as Paul goes on about the process there, I think when this process started, I probably would have had hair. So <laughs> it's, um, it's, it's, it's it's long overdue getting some clarity about the situation because like, for, for too long, you would have, you would have uh, situations where you have players on you know forty week contracts or thirty six week contracts and not paid for preseason. I think you know I wouldn't be so worried about the numbers in the squad. I think it's good to get clarity and have something in place that players know what they're entitled to, because like you know football, it's not kind of uh, it's not your typical job. And okay, there's there's, there's lots of uh, riches to be earned in the UK in the Premier League and that. But you know at home that is not the way. I think a lot of players would have been. You know, on fifty quid a week, I think don't think fans realise that going in the doors that you know your players there getting one hundred and fifty quid or fifty quid a week, and and the amount of effort like football is not you know it's not just one two nights or three nights a week training, it's every day. Like if you're going to be if you're going to treat it seriously and treat it like a proper job, it's every day of the week, it, it, it's every minute of the day. It's kind of what you do on and off the pitch in terms of diet and strength conditioning. And obviously, what you do on the pitch, because when you go on the pitch, you, you're getting 150 quid or 50 quid or 2,000 quid, you're going to get the same criticism and people, the same eyeballs on you. So, like you know, it, it's it's long overdue to have something in place, um, you know. And this is the minimum we're talking about, you know. So it's not as if it's it's vast amounts of money. 
it's good timing as well, Marie, if you think of what's happened with Brexit and the fact that, mm-hmm. you know, our our better talent is actually having to stay within the country and, and work their way up through the national leagues and the structures have been put in place there. So slowly but surely you can start seeing a pathway for, you know, a very talented 13-year-old all the way through the national leagues and then a guarantee of, or I guess some understanding of what it is they're going to be paid when they get there. So the the step towards professionalism, the step towards, I guess, improving ourselves on and off the pitch, it, it feels as if it's it's made at least a step. And Gary, now that it has taken, that, that the men's side have taken that step, do you think we will get to a stage where it might be something similar would come for the women's game? Yeah, absolutely. I think it's certainly something that is definitely brewing. Obviously, you know, you have the fees have been introduced for the women's national team. And you look at, I suppose, what's happened in the women's game here ever since the the girls took that stand in Liberty Hall a number of years back. That's when, you know, the the ladies football or women's soccer has has really kicked on from then. And, and, you know, to be going to a World Cup this year is is brilliant. People like Anya Gorman and I know were pivotal in in, in that. Um, It's great to see them, I suppose, reap the award. And I know, like there is, you know, they're getting, you know, properly um, reimbursed. I suppose I know that some of the girls in Ireland are obviously part time and they're working, but a lot of them are are making that step to, you know, to full time uh, football in the UK as well. So um, I, I do see it. It'll probably be a slower process, um, obviously, because look, you know, we were having to try and introduce this in the men's game. You know, the, the, there's been massive, <laughs> I suppose, problems there in terms of you know part-time clubs and getting clarity on it but it, it is something that will follow and, and it certainly I'd be very much in the top process I don't know I can't speak for Stephen McGuinness on this but it, it'll certainly be high up on his uh, his list of expectations or, or things to do in in the coming year or, or year or two Yeah he's been really supportive of the women's team ever since 2017 and that Liberty Hall um moment that you mentioned there we were talking about the PFAI here and the awards are on on the 19th so the nominations are starting to filter through so um, Gary the players player of the year features two Derry City players and one Shamrock Rovers so Mark Connolly Rory Gaffney and who's the third one Cameron Dummigan Cameron Dummigan yeah, yeah so uh, it's going to be closely fought one uh, probably not. <laughs> I think I think I think I think Gaffney will win it. Like Connolly's had a terrific year for both Dundalk and Derry. I think you know he was pivotal in Dundalk's. I suppose when they were being tipped as title contenders mid-season. I know they fell away in the end. and got Europe, but he was he was excellent for Dundalk and obviously led to it to move to to Derry City. Cameron Dummigan can play in a number of positions um, and has been. You know, has been excellent and really excelled, you know, in that sitting midfield role, but also at right back and play. I would have seen him play left back for Dundalk previously. But I think Rory Gaffney will be, you know, he'd be my pick for, for player of the year. I don't think there's a player in the league that's probably covered more ground than Rory Gaffney this year. I think if you look, if you were to go through the stats, I'm sure he's, he's high up there. I know he probably hasn't scored as many goals as Aidan Keane, but um, he's been terrific for Sam McGrovers and so important to the team. Do the, oh. do the players always vote though? Like, do they do they vote the way that they're supposed to? It's like sometimes a bit of a vote for your mate <laughs> That's job, what I isn't mean. it? I can already feel Stephen Bradley's frustration, <laughs> like <laughs> looking down at that and thinking, why are there two Derry players That's only one Shamrock Rovers? Yeah. Um, well, one Derry player, one Dundalk player, half and half Derry, half Dundalk. You know, <laughs> you must owe something to the people in Dundalk, still, Gary. Do you? Yeah, um, I'm still, I'm still indebted. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, I think Gary's dead right there. Like, I think Roy Gaffney will will walk that one um, I'd be very surprised if it was to go elsewhere but you know there's definitely a case for if you think like Cameron Dominican has played a lot of football at, at 
fullback or, or you know as, as a wing back Andy Lyons had a fantastic season I know he's up for the young, young player, player yeah. of the year but you know there's every right that he could put a case for him to be to be up there as well so um, yeah it, it can be a bit that way Marie like it's a, it's a small pool of players within the league some of the players have played for a number of clubs I'm sure Cameron Dummigan got a lot of votes as did Mark Conley from Dundalk mm-hmm. while they were at Derry um, and Rory Gaffney has, has had a fantastic season as Gary has, has rightly touched on there so uh, did you win it Gary? Not a chance, and never even got voted into the top not? three. Are you kidding me? Oh gosh. <laughs> no, no. Is but I suppose Aiden is probably yeah. un- <laughs> uh, no mates, no mates in football. <laughs> I think Aiden Keane is probably unlucky not to be mentioned in that three. And Andy mm. Lyons, obviously, you look if if we're, if you're looking at a five, you'd be looking at. I, I think Aiden Keane has had a terrific season for Sligo Rovers. Obviously, look Sligo or not in the top three or European spots, but like the score the amount of goals and have the impact he's had in the first season back and. He was so important to them in Europe this year. He would probably feel a bit aggrieved that he's not in that in that three. I love the drama of people being aggrieved and uh, the shortlist. Oh, lads that, that definitely will be. I'm telling oh, you. Oh, <laughs> oh, <laughs> yeah, no, wait for, wait for the team of the year to come out. That's when it gets juicy. <laughs> uh, the young player now will be tightly contested. Uh, Andy Lyons, Joe Redmond and Phoenix Patterson. Yeah, it is actually very hard to, to call that one. I think Joe Redmond's had an absolutely fantastic mm-hmm. season for St. Pat's, um, particularly in, in Europe when some of the games he would have seen and uh, just consistently throughout throughout the year. He's another one who you could have put up for, for player of the year. He probably made one mistake that stands out against Shamrock Rovers, but other than that, he's been absolutely flawless. And I mean, you mentioned Andy Lyons' goal contributions mm-hmm. from from fullback have, have been fantastic not only the goals he scored but the chances he's created and it's no surprise that he, he got his move to Blackpool off the back of that and then Phoenix Patterson like he can he's just see the goals that That's he has scored scoring, in, yeah. in the first division in, in crucial games now and in the playoffs as well and a vitally important game coming against UCD so you could probably you could pick any one of those three I would imagine it'd be Andy Lyons I think the voting takes place uh, maybe a month or two ago and at that time okay. Andy Lyons was rich in form and, and scoring lots of goals so you would imagine he would pick it up but there's definitely a, a case for, for Joe Redmond and Phoenix Patterson as well I saw a lovely picture St. Pat's tweeted of uh, Joe Redmond yesterday Gary I don't know if you saw it it was from like a summer camp like 10 years ago that St. Pat's ran and he was in the middle of the, the little boys that were going training or, or doing the camp there and to see him now uh, having had such a good season for them it's pretty amazing isn't it? Yeah, no, he's had a brilliant season. I think, you know, I would probably argue that he's probably had a better season than Connolly. I know we spoke about how well Connolly did, but I think Joe has been the standout centre-half this year. Um, I would have kind of, I know we spoke about teams of the year halfway through the season, and Redmond, for me, was outstanding. And Look, he got uh, captain on the 21 level as well, and he's the captain of, of St. Pat's. I think, you know, he's probably been the standout centre-half this year and, and a terrific season. But I, I do still think that... Um, Andy Lyons will probably win Young Player of the Year. You look at you look at the performances that he's had, um, uh, and the amount of goals he's mm-hmm. chipped in. He's been so important for Sam Rovers. So it, it'll, although look, they're all worthy candidates. I do think that Andy Lyons will be will be Young Player of the Year. Right, so that is on the 19th of November. Those awards are on. Like, it's actually quite interesting, Paul, because like that Joe Redmond. Uh, picture that we saw uh, yesterday from St. Pat's Twitter account that's what we're going to be seeing in the future we're going to see kids now going through academies um, wearing League of Ireland jerseys and then going on to play for the senior team and look that's what you want Yeah it feeds back to that conversation around the National Leagues and I guess 
younger players and people around a, a certain area maybe have more of an affiliation if they're playing with that club up through the ranks and then maybe going to the senior games and they're getting eyes on these players on a, on a more regular basis so yeah it's absolutely what you want I mean Joe Redmond's probably a bit of a different case he went to the UK and he came back but if you look at some of the players that are coming through at St. Pat's at this moment in time Sam Curtis I know he's at Shamrock Rovers who's played for the underage teams Adam Murphy's played there and there's a number of other players like James Abanqua who's come through that um, system so there's um, there's that pathway there's that kind of um, I guess um, relationship with the club from a much younger age that previously wasn't there and Joe Redmond's a perfect example and a perfect role model for, for those younger players to, to follow I would not be at all surprised Marie if, if Joe got a, a move back to the UK based on his performances yeah, and the consistency, consistency of him as well yeah. being involved with the Irish under 21s if he replicates that again next year there'll be certainly a number of clubs who'll be, who'll be looking to take a, a chance on him I know he signed a, a longer term contract put St. Pat's in a good position these contracts <laughs> looking after the players it, it does reward the clubs further down the line uh, It's also quite interesting uh, what's going on at Shelburne as well Gary and the fact that Southampton owners Sport Republic are reportedly in advance talks about taking a significant stake in the club which would uh, uh, which would probably elevate their finances anyway and, and give them a lot more power in the league. Yeah, absolutely. I think um, you look at what Shelburne have done this year and Damien Duff's done a terrific job there. You know, to come up and to stay up comfortably and then to get to a cup final. And, you know, you can see why it's an attractive club to invest in. Um, obviously, with Duffer at the helm as well. Um, it, it adds that more bit more profile to the league and um, I, I think this is, is a case I know Paul spoke about Brexit earlier on it is like a case where players like the best young players that typically would have gone to the UK at, at 15, 16 are going to be still in the in this league so it's important to you know to have the, the right infrastructures within the, the clubs and the academies to you know to bring them on and you'll see you look at Sam Curtis this year is a really good example and um, you know how well he's done like he's a 16 year old Kids for whatever, but he's playing like a man week in week out. He's been absolutely tremendous, you know, for a young man. And like he could possibly be a contender for a team of the year. Probably just didn't play enough of games, but like I think uh, you know he he's been terrific this year. Okay, Gary, uh, enjoy the game tonight. Thank you so much for joining us. Uh, we're going to take a very quick break, but stay with us. Uh, we still have plenty more to come. There it is, the victory in fine style. Irish eyes are smiling. They'll be smiling as this tournament goes on because they go from round one to the Super 12s. Some lovely commentary there on the Ireland cricket team in action at the T20 World Cup only a few weeks ago. I'm delighted to say that Heinrich Malan joins me now on the line, the Ireland cricket head coach. Heinrich, how are you? All good, thanks. How are you guys? <laughs> good. Um, so thanks so much for joining us. I was uh, reading a lovely article today uh, by Jerry Siggins and he said that Heinrich Mallon has raised Irish cricket standards and our self-esteem, which is a really nice thing to say. <laughs> thanks for the compliment, yeah. Um, look, I think the boys have got to take a lot of credit for the way we operate and you know, it's good to see them um, you know, perform over the last couple of weeks and, and hopefully it's the start of a, you know, a nice little period for us. Yeah, it has been a great uh, few weeks uh, from a performance point of view, but also from the interest level point of view back here as well. It always helps when an Ireland team beats England. It gets uh, everybody's eyes uh, on whatever sport it is. But from your point of view and from your point of view, uh, especially, what has been the catalyst for this kind of run of good form? 
Well, look, I don't think there's one specific thing that you know you can say this is why we've um, you know we've played some good cricket. I think if you look back over the summer, we've we've obviously shown that we can compete, and um, you know we were diligently trying to do some work behind the scenes to make sure that. You know, performance-wise, we we're in a good place. Um, the boys know where we're going. What are we looking for? What are those characteristics around conditions? Um, you know, doing our matchups with with regards to the opposition we're going to play against, and um, you know, trying to support that as much as we can, and, and hopefully, you know, give them the confidence to go out there and 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 put a couple of good performances together. Which um, you know, at, at sporadically in the T20 game, we 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 saw them do, which is an exciting little period. Yeah, that is something that you've always looked for from your team, Henrik, was, uh, is consistency. Um, you got consistency for them over the, the last few months. How difficult is it going to be to, to maintain that, though? Look, I guess in T20 cricket, that's the that's the magic word and um, that's the, the piece that we're constantly looking for. And, and I guess if you look at this T20 World Cup too, you would have seen that pretty much every team could beat every team, um, you know, which is exciting, um, which is not great for the old heart rate, but it's it's exciting to watch. Um, look, and I guess it's, it's more so when we start switching formats too. You know, I've only been in charge of... Uh, three ODIs now um, against New Zealand in the summer and, and hopefully you know there's there's a fair, mu- fair few more of those around with uh, the World Cup um, next time next year this time in, in India as well um, and some qualifiers that, that potentially on the radar for us too and um, you know that, that red ball that hopefully comes into play as well at some stage and you know trying to build a squad that can compete across formats for us and, and trying to build some consistency and that is, is obviously the next step for us and um, we've, we've seen that we've, we've got a squad now that especially in white ball cricket um, you know, can compete with the best in the world, and um, I'm pretty sure that you know the more we play, the the better we'll get, and and hopefully we get a uh, you know fair form view of these uh, results coming our way. It feels like though that um, Heinrich, when you look at the the squad that you brought with you to Australia, that everybody has has stepped up a notch. Yeah, look, I guess that was a challenge. Um, you know, everyone knew that. You know, getting through that first round, I think, you know, I was probably the only member of that squad that hasn't been to a, a qualifier as such, um, you know, and, and everyone's told me about the, the different pressures that, that the qualifiers would bring, um, you know, and it was obviously all on show as well throughout, you know, not just our round, but but also the the, the other round, um, you know, where all games were close and, um, you know, but it was great to see that, you know, the guys um, understood the way we wanted to operate, what that looks like, um, you know, we, we, we try to make really sure that we look after our performance parameters and, and not necessarily focus on the outcome, understanding that, you know, we want to try and win. But it was great to see the, the boys focus on, on, on the process piece. And, um, you know, it's good to see that there's a couple of results that went our way as well. It was interesting listening to some of the interviews from the players over the last few weeks and you know, the word mindset did pop up a, a few times and it's clearly something that is valuable to you and something that you've been able to impart on them as well, the value of it. How did you work on that? Uh, look, I guess it, it's trying to be clear around what we're looking for. And um, look, I guess uh, you know, try, trying to make sure that people understand the way we want to play and, um, you know, understanding that, yes, it's it's, it's a uh, results-driven environment. But, you know, if, if we play a certain way, if we focus on, on, on certain things, um, you know, there's got to be a, an element of team first and all that stuff, especially around T20 cricket. And, um, you know, it's, it's, about, it's about the way we want to operate. And, and I guess if you look at, you know, the last six to eight months um, across um, the summer and, and also now the World Cup, you know, there's definitely been a trend in the right direction in, in terms of the intent we want to show and, and the brand of cricket we want to play. And, um, you know, that, that'll 
we'll, we'll keep looking at that and keep shaping that away as well to make sure that we keep evolving our game, which is just as important as you know what the work we've done over the, the, the last little period is to keep um, with the trend and, and, and see where that takes us over the next little period. Even though you exceeded a lot of people's expectations by reaching the level that you did reach, was there still disappointment that you couldn't go a little bit further? Look, I, I guess we've um, you know we've spoken about it a couple of times that yeah you know, we probably surprised ourselves in summer um, with with some of the the results we achieved. Then there was a little phase where you know there was some real disappointment, um, and there was then we went through a little phase where there was some anger because we actually felt we should have won a couple of games. And I guess there was no different in this World Cup, um, you know. And and I guess at the end of the day, that's you know that's the that comes back again to that you know wonderful word consistency. Um, you know, we want to try and play. Um, these bigger teams on a more regular basis and, and you know, if, if we can keep showing um, the commitment that we have to our brand and, and, and what that means and people stepping up, um, you know, at different stages, um, you know, that's probably the, the one thing that we haven't done as well as we would have wanted to, um, you know, and really dovetailing between the batters and the bowlers and, 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 you know, making sure that someone has a day out consistently in that space. If we can keep doing that and keep looking for that as, as we go, then, you know, hopefully uh, that consistency will, will become part of what we, what we, how we operate. Uh, there's been so many people tuning in now um, because of your heroics um, on that T20 stage. Who do you think is going to win? Oh, it's a great question. You can flip that coin and, and it could probably land a different way every time. But look, again, it, it showed today New Zealand's probably been the, the form side if you look at the way that they've played. Um, you know, Pakistan sneaked in and, um, you know, comprehensively beat, beaten them today in the semi final. And look, tomorrow will be an interesting game as well um, between India and, and, and England. Um, but I guess, you know, if, if you look at the Pakistan-India final, you know, what could be bigger than that? We saw uh, the, the, the first round when, when they played at the MCG. It was obviously a magical game as well. And um, hopefully the uh, the final lives up to that expectation again. I saw that England have injury concerns over David Mal- Malan. Any relation? Uh, no, unfortunately not. Uh, just, just we've we've got to know each other, obviously, but no, no relation. No. <laughs> I was wondering when I when I saw the name, not one that I'd be uh, too familiar with. Um, Heinrich, thank you so much for joining us, and uh, congratulations on the last few weeks and the progress that you've made. And no doubt you'll be hoping to make plenty more of it um, in the future, especially over the next few months. And hopefully, we'll be talking to you again very, very soon. Thanks for having us, guys. Appreciate it, and thanks for all the support. Great, thanks. Talk to you. Talk to you soon, uh, Paul Curry. Before we finish up, a few stories from the World Cup today. Um, reports this morning that Mane isn't going to make it, but maybe a little bit of hope now. Some French newspapers reporting that uh, he might be okay. Yeah, I, I mean it is it is desperately unfortunate for Sadio Mane. I mean the I mean the last kind of twelve eighteen months that he's had with Senegal, they won the African Cup of Nations and then qualifying for the World Cup, and he being kind of their their talisman and and the person that they look to on the big occasion would be desperately unfortunate mm-hmm. if if he doesn't make it. I mean if Bayern Munich are coming out and saying that it's it's a no go, I think it's it's going to be very difficult. It's such a quick turnaround from the fixtures and the domestic leagues finishing to the World Cup kicking off it's probably going to be too too tight a turnaround maybe if, if they were progressing to the quarter and semi-finals you might say yes but the fact that uh, Senegal you know are unlikely to go that far I would say it, it would probably make his chances of playing within that World Cup very slim oh, it's devastating isn't it like it is it is and there seems to be a few of those stories going yeah. around you know even the likes of Reese James has been ruled out today 
uh, Ben Chilwell of course and Paul Pogba and Golo Kante's mm-hmm. son was kind of touch and go there for, for Tottenham and South Korea but it seems like he'll just make it but I can safely say that I don't think we'll see another World Cup at this time of year because there's been so much made of player welfare and the amount of games that they've had to play in the run-up to it. Mm-hmm. The timing of it is just not is not good for professional players and trying to get them fit and ready for the World Cup is not ideal. So probably um, a timing of a World Cup that we won't see again. Yeah, um, I'd agree with you because it's just been story after story of players not been able to make it and when you think and you see how important it is to them um, as we saw with a lot of the Brazilian players yesterday when their squad was announced mm. um, just cement the world to them that it's uh, it's not a good time at all Paul Curry that's all we have time for now uh, thank you so much Thanks, for mate. coming in um, Shane will be in tomorrow looking ahead to all of the weekend's games and of course that Ireland South Africa uh, or that Munster South Africa uh, game tomorrow night as well uh, Betty De Silva is up next <laughs> 2FM